The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. Welcome. Okay, we're slugging it out in the book of Ecclesiastes as we go through this guy's life as he's processing, you know, trying to find meaning. And, and if anything, Solomon does us as a favor. He lets us know not so much how to have a meaningful life, but how to guarantee you'll have a meaningless one. So, like, do the opposite and you should be okay. And he starts off by pointing out that everything was meaningless. Everything had no meaning to him, no purpose for him. He felt empty. It wasn't working. And he, the, the things that we would normally assume would, would have some sort of sense of pleasure and connection for us, he comes up empty and buckets with it. So whether it's um, having money and having resources or having women or having gourmet food or being a connoisseur of good wines and uh, great civic projects and parks and uh, choir and investing in art and, and, and in architecture and all of it seemed to be you know, un- unfulfilling. And he begins off, he begins this particular book by almost, you hear the scream of his own soul that how meaningless it's all been. Then it starts to get a little bit more personal. He speaks about his personal work. Like, you know, all of these great projects meant nothing. And, and when I think about even just work that I would do with my own hands, it seems to be nothing. And then he speaks about how there's this, uh, you know, this thing that's always chasing him, this, this sense that it, not only does it mean nothing, we all die, you know, and we all die alone. And, and, and he, then he goes on to speak about how alone he really is and, 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 and how... By having any measure of success, no matter what it is, you know, whether it might be in music, might be in scholastically, whatever it might be, you know, you, you're, you're living the dream, la vida loca, whatever it might be for yourself, you know, um, that, that, that if you achieve that alone, it, it guarantees that that success will be very empty. And I think all of us know this in, uh, intuitively. It's just that perhaps we don't have the courage to actually live it. You know, we, we, we will invest and focus more on stuff than people sometimes. And uh, this is really showing where Solomon is as a person in chapter 5, which is where we're going to go this morning. Because I, um, he talks then about his connection with God a bit more frankly. And I, he talks about it by speaking about it to others. Now, generally, well, like Oscar Wilde has said, you know, uh, experience or advice is, is a name we give to all our mistakes. He's telling you really what his mistake was and how he perhaps didn't do what he could have done. And, and so you kind of have to read, maybe read between the lines maybe here. But here's what I'm going to suggest. Um, and, you know, you can, you can think I'm wrong and, you know, you'd be wrong. But um, his father was David, a, a, a warrior, a musician, a lyricist. Um, an administrator, he was really a remarkable, remarkable man. And he had enough, you know, gravitas, some presence to be able to forge a nation out of 12 loose tribes. And, okay, you know, mistakes were made, the adultery and murder. But let's not live in the past, shall we? Um, and yet, at the end of his life, it, it seemed that God defined that the compass of his life was, was after his heart. And so there's this significant, significant man in history, and you're his son. And father passes away, and he's the next guy up. Now, David also loved this, you know, his relationship with God was obviously very, you know, it had an emotional component, it had an intellectual component. 
Um, but he wanted to build the temple for God. And, he, and, uh, and God flat out told him, yeah, no, not so much. You're kind of a guy with bloody hands. You've had, you had too much killing in your life that you know, you're not the guy. But your son gets to be the guy. Now, I'm wondering what Solomon felt when he heard that. Like, oh, all right, awesome, good. I was hoping I get to be the guy. Remember, he's, this is before the wisdom thing. This is before a lot of stuff. Or did he think, oh, yeah, Pops, I'd, I'd love to do that for Jesus. You know, like, oh, great. Hey, have you ever been that person where someone asks you to do something? Maybe at, even at church or, or maybe an organization you're part of, and you go, hey, we think you could do that. How would you like to take that on? <laughs> no, I, you know, you don't know what to say. You're so conflicted. And um, so he gets to build a temple with all the stuff, the riches, the, the, the luxurious building materials that his dad collected. So it's, you're always living in that shadow on some levels. But then Solomon creates his own legacy and reputation with the wisdom. But, but as I process and, and look at that prayer in that moment, um, I wonder if, if Solomon was just wondering, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to screw this up. And so when God says to him, what would you like? And, and we read that, you know, he didn't ask for wealth or, or honor and riches, you know. And that. Well, you know, I don't want to trash Solomon, but he was the son of a king. I mean, he did have wealth in the palace. It's like, oh, I want a bigger palace. I mean, like, you know, you follow? I need more money. I mean, it, 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 what he thought of was, uh, this is just me filling in the gaps, okay? I got to follow my dad. I have to take over this, that, all that he put together. What I really need is wisdom to figure this out, to, to govern your great people. And so God gives them that. And he said, I'm gonna, but I'm also going to give you all of this that's on top of it. But I, I don't know if he really, really wrapped his own soul around his, this faith, this belief, as much as perhaps he inherited from his dad. Have you ever been that person when you're given responsibilities that maybe you're not quite ready for, but because you're the next one up, you just get it? And this is where I think maybe Solomon was. So he has, he writes the Song of Solomon. There's a collection of, of a large majority of the, of the book of Proverbs are his observations and there's others. And then he writes this book. And I think actually this book might have been his most honest book in many ways as to where he really was in his connection with God. So chapter 5, let me read this to you. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. Why? Well, God's in heaven. You're on earth. So let your words be few. As a dream comes when there are many cares, so the speech of a fool when there are many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. So don't let your mouth lead you into sin. And do not protest to the temple messenger, I, I, my vow was a mistake, I was just kidding. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming... And many words are meaningless. Therefore, stand in awe of God. 
There's a, um, until recently, there was a uh, young woman and her boyfriend who would come over on Fridays uh, and clean our house that we have. And, and the main reason, it's not that we're unable, you know, we're just unwilling, I guess. And so, um, but the primary reason is that as a kid, she was in my junior high Sunday school class. And so, uh, you know, she was broke as the day is long, living with her boyfriend, who was also in my junior high school Sunday class, which is why I don't teach junior high school any longer. And, um, and so they're, they're both living together, and, um, and, I, I, and I know they're both broke, so I would obviously pay them to come clean the house, and it was my way to hope, hopefully kind of stay in their life and keep connected. And uh, uh, so one day I was having trouble with this electrical thing. It was very complicated, very, very confusing to me. And, 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 and so he, the guy said, oh, you just will flip the switch. It'll turn on. Oh, okay. And um, so we had to go to Home Depot actually get some part. And so as we're talking about, you know, church and stuff, and, and uh, you know, we were having that kind of that honest moment of conversation regarding growing up in church, like some of you have. And, uh, and I told him, like, oh, you know, there was a time... By the way, this is the response to him expressing some of the weirdness that he saw growing up in church. Okay, so he said, "I said, you know, there was a time I thought my kids were in a in a very privileged position that they would avoid a lot of the goofiness I went through because they grew up in church. I thought it was a huge benefit, but now I think." And I paused, and and then we both said at the same time, "I think it's a curse." Now, now, I, what I mean by that is 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 that sometimes. Um, you just have a high sense of, of what's fair and just and what's right or wrong. So when you see hypocrisy, you're very aware of it but because you're not old enough to have learned how to play those repulsive games that adults do. So you assume that people are honest and people are going to be honest at church. And when you don't see it happen over and over again, you begin to wonder, well, is everybody pretending? When I was in, in college, uh, I was 18, and uh, I, had, I was a freshman. I had a scholarship. But don't be too impressed. It was a Bible college. It wasn't really that hard to get in. You know, it was like, you know, if you could warm a, you could warm a piece of glass, you oh, yes, you qualify. We feel God's calling you to our university. <laughs> okay, you know, and uh, so, um, <laughs> right. So I went, and uh, I was there about a year. You know, and I, I knew that there were men and women making serious sacrifices to be there, and I was just screwing around. You know, it, it was the path of least resistance. While I was eighteen, there was this older woman in my life. She was twenty-one, a senior. So I was, of course, the BMOC on campus because she was just the the girl, and I had learned from high school that half of of success in dating was just showing up. Just being the guy who's willing to ask. So, you know, I totally manned up on this one. She was with these other people, you know. And I walked over to her. Hey, my name's Octavio. Uh, I don't know you. I'd love to get to know you. Can we go out for a date? Didn't know her. And she said, well, of course, she leaped at the opportunity. And then so we... <laughs> She didn't leap, but, you know, it was a little, little hop, you know. And so the thing is, is that, uh, so we, we went, and, and you know how, do you know those moments when you're really attracted from somebody at a distance and then up close, like, you know, you do, have you ever had those? <laughs> okay. It's never happened for the other end of my relationships, but I've experienced it once or twice. And, and so I was into this for a few months, and I, I thought, maybe she's a good person. I should like her. 
She's an attractive person, a popular person. She's a smart person. Her parents have money. There's all these reasons for me to be attracted to her. And after a while, I just wasn't. But you know how it is when you're also 18? You're a big wiener, and you just don't know how to be honest and break up with somebody? So I didn't. I just pretended. Oh, come on. I'm sure she's fine. Hopefully she's not alone in her apartment with the cats, you know, but this... <laughs> Some of you got that image. I mean, you know, I'm sure she married. She's doing well, you know. I moved on, so I'm okay, you know, but the point is, is that... Um, I said, don't be a hater. Don't hate me. Come on. You know, if I can't be honest, where else can I go? Go home, please, you know. Uh, so eh, there is a point to this story. Um, so what happened, I thought, okay, I, I have to break up with her. I just, I just got to do this. You know, it's, just, it's 18 years now. I should tell her. No, it was, it was you know, a few months. But, but then she became ill. And I, and I don't know what it is about women in private colleges or religious colleges specifically. They have this fever, this ring by spring fever. Oh, some of those agree. And besides whatever degree they're working on, they want to get their MRS as well. I'm I'm eighteen. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm barely able to take care of myself, let alone a relationship. Uh, so, at any rate, so she. Oh, well, good. I want to talk to you too. You know, it's like that the DTR thing. Oh God, not again. You know, I have to pretend. I want you to know I'm having this issue and I'm going to have the surgery, and but it could possibly mean I, we're not. We are not going to have children. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, I want, what did you want to share? Uh, you know. <laughs> I'm right behind you, babe. You know, what do you say? So I, so I stuck it out through the surgery. And then she got better. But now it's like three weeks of graduation. She's a senior. Like, oh, you know, hey, congratulations. I'm out of here, by the way, you know. And it was just weird and her parents I got, and I got along well with her parents it was just that weird weird thing but I remember the day that we both knew so I knew for a while I knew for a long time but I remember that the kiss that I gave her where I knew that she finally knew and I knew that she knew that my heart wasn't in it and it hadn't been in it for a long time and you know even then like I said I was kind of a wiener about it I mean, you guys are going to hate me especially all you women I just stopped calling Oh, come, you know, oh, come on. You get up here every day and tell the truth, okay? Let's see how you do. Trust me, we're not going to find you that interesting either. So the point is. And then I'm, 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 I'm on freaking iTunes with my pains played over, over, and over again. At any rate. We, there was no cell phones back at that time either, so uh, we had Slate and Cole we wrote our lessons on. <laughs> Went to school on dinosaurs. Okay, I said all that to say this, it, is that I, 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 I wonder if, if that isn't exactly like how we play our game with God, that we offer these phony kisses in the relationship. And, and you know, I, I, you, you can maintain the hypocrisy for so long, but eventually it, it, you do leak out. Eventually people do know you. It, it's not, we're not that complicated. People do find this out. But, you know, I, I get it. I mean, I, we're always performing. 
Always, always performing, always. And I don't mean just in the sense that, you know, you're one person in one place and one person in another place. Like there's this level of hypocrisy. It's just that we morph into situations that we need to morph into. So, like, for example, uh, for those of us who are dads, you know, uh, we pretend to know what we're doing. And, and if, we, if we're not sure, we lower our voice and raise the volume. Because I said so. You know, you have to go there because you don't know what you're doing. You know, sometimes you do. But most of the time you just, you, you're hoping that what you're doing is right, that you love your kids. And then, and, and, you know, I, when my kids are frustrated with stuff, I can remember saying this to them. I go, look, when you're in therapy, remember I loved you. Okay, in my defense, I loved you. You perform it. Um, there are certain relationships that you know that you have to perform in um, or pretend. Dating is kind of like that one classic sort of performance, isn't it? It's just one long audition. Pick me, pick me, pick me. I'll be taller, I'll be shorter. But whatever you, what do I need to do for you to love me? And so you kind of morph. And then uh, it's that way sometimes in your relationships that are more significant and, and home life and work life. And, you know, you just change to different people. And by the way, I, I, all that performance and pretending goes on right here. And by the way, I don't mean you. I mean from this end, from me. Look, I don't know how to have an experience with God without highs and lows. So if you're under the impression that everything is like, ah, I'm running at 100% all during the week, every day, you're mistaken. Usually on Sundays, I have two plans in mind. Plan A, have an honest, transparent moment with God and before Him and with you. Plan B is at least to tell you the truth. So... I recall once this pastor was just, you know, he was kind of realizing these moments. And he says, you know, I, I feel like sometimes when I'm speaking, I'm, I'm not speaking from what I do, but what the ideal is. And I'm struggling with that. So I, I shared with him what I've learned a long time ago. If you only share what you do, you have like two talks a year you can put out. I mean, I mean, it's the most of the time I'm working out my pain in front of all of you and with you. We're all in this together, aren't we? The problem is, is that when, when you, we, unfortunately, we, we, we bring that sort of pretending and performance into our connection to God. And, and, and if you hear anything tonight, this morning rather, you, hopefully you hear God saying to you, I, I really don't want your phony kisses. Don't offer me the sacrifices of fools. You're, you're only fooling yourself. You're not fooling me. And honestly, keep it. It, it seems like there's very few things that get God's blood boiling but our dishonesty but in verses 2 to 3 before we uh, as we keep moving on through this is you know he just keeps speaking about this idea of these empty words these phony kisses that we offer you know you, you almost hear Solomon telling us hey, look if you're going to go to the temple if you're, if you're going to try to connect to God don't say what you don't mean don't say what you are if you're not truly that thing that person Don't confess what's not really in your heart. And, and you know those, the, the automatic... Um, why, why do we do this? It's so weird. You know that automatic God talk that goes on everywhere? I was in Richmond, Virginia last week for a few days of this uh, large Christian compound. It was trapped. I mean, you couldn't get out. It was in, uh, <clears throat> they, they, When I flew in, they said, Oh, well, get dinner at the airport because there's nothing around here. I thought... There's a gas station. I mean, there's beef jerky somewhere, right? There's beef jerky and Coke somewhere in Virginia. There's dinner, right? When you, when you don't know what to eat. Um, 
And I said, okay, so I went to Applebee's, like, you know, ugh. and then, um, <laughs> it was after nine, and it's like, oh, we don't serve food, we have just appetizers, like, so, at any rate, so I, I they called it a chicken quesadilla, but I don't know what that thing was. <laughs> if it was chicken, it was really an angry, foul, mean chicken that they killed. <laughs> So, so then the taxi comes and drives us. And then uh, I, I had, you, you ever have people from out of state that take pictures of traffic when they're coming to L.A.? Oh, my gosh, I've never seen so many cars. Click, click, click. You know, dude, get out more often. And uh, oh, the tall buildings and, you know, they, they, they do, take me to Hollywood, right? I want to see Disneyland. I want to see Disneyland. And then uh, so I was that guy, though. I was in Richmond, and I was taking pictures of trees. <laughs> 30 photos into it, I go, I'm taking pictures of trees and docks and rivers. Wow, because it was so green. And, and then there was this, you know, driving, like, driving mile after mile after mile. Forest, trees, a house once in a while. And then, whoosh, the big place. And there was nothing around it. Okay, I said all that to say this. It was a long setup. There was like 18, 20 people in this room. One guy sneezed. There was 40,000, God bless you. God bless you, God bless you. Like, maybe it's a cynic in me, I don't know. You know, I was like, do you, nobody would do this in a mall. No, no, you don't, you don't. Hipocritas, you know, it's like, come on. Because I wanted to say, dude, in the elbow, come on, right? That's how you're supposed to sneeze. Don't do, and then like, you know, that, you see that fine mist? Like, oh, cochino, cover your mouth. Because we were at a Hispanic conference, so I could, you know, share my points of view. Yeah. You, you don't want to say something that you don't really mean from, from the real authentic you. Hey, here's another one. Someone shares with you that something's going wrong in their life or they're struggling with something. You go, oh, man, I'm so sorry to hear that. I'll pray for you. And you never do. And, and by the way, it's like you don't mean to be dishonest about it, but it's like, it's like the automatic thing. Oh, I'll pray for you, man. And you never, never do. Why do we do that? I mean, at least you can, I, I feel the honesty about, hey, dude, I, that, that blows. I'm so sorry to hear that. You know, give me an abrazo. And I mean, at least, at least that's honest. But, and since I didn't want to be that guy, because I have been that guy, sometimes I have to, you know, put it on my phone and an app, huh? Pathetic is that. But nonetheless, it's a reminder that, well, I said something. I, I want to fulfill my promise. I don't want my words to be meaningless. So, you know, why do we do that? I think it's the expectations others put on us. And unless you know up front what expectations you're going to have of yourself from God, others will do it for you. They'll set them for you. And so you begin to be somebody you're not. And so, <clears throat> make another couple of statements here to help shape this conversation. Look, I'm convinced that God doesn't want you to pretend or to perform. And in this community, neither do we. It, it really, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, I don't care what you have to say. There, there's, there's almost no reaction or judgment. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter where you're at. You know, if you want to tell me, hey, look, I, th- I don't buy any of this. I kind of like you guys. You're kind of cool. You're interesting, whatever. You treat me nice. But I'm not into this Jesus thing at all. Awesome. Welcome. Glad you're here. 
I've been X, Y, and Z. I've been this person. I've gone here. I've gone there. And, and I feel weird about, dude, welcome to, <laughs> to this broken community. You know, I mean, the stories that are here. Here, let me show the emails now. I, I mean, let me. Um, <laughs> in, in the last three months, I had two friends who, um, you know, shared something with my wife and I. And uh, they were, um, they said that they hesitated for so long because they were afraid that we would ask them to leave the community. Oh, man, where in the world would you have gotten And I'm so sorry you carried that for so long. Look, look if there's, um, if, if you are pretending at work, at home, your job and relationships, I, 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 this, this I know for sure, at, at here you could be yourself. No matter who that self is. It just is okay to be yourself. So I, I hear Solomon tell us that maybe when we go into places, sacred places, maybe we ought to try to listen more and hear from God. And not blah, 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 you know. Like some of us are always uncomfortable with silence. We're awkward with that. <clears throat> I'm going to drop you down to verses 4 through 7 for just a moment. I'm making promises. It's, um, boy, how many promises have we made to God? You don't have to even be religious to do that, do you? So please don't let her be pregnant. Please, 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 please. Please, please, please. I hope she's not pregnant. Please, don't go to church. The test came back negative. Yeah, who's this? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? You don't, don't even. And then there's the serious ones that when someone's ill or sick or injured, um, when things matter. Uh, and then there are times we step into our connection to God. And, and then, we, you know, we have, oh, you know, I, I promise to be this if you help me here. Those bargains, those contingency things. Let me help you I, with something I, I was able to stumble upon. That will hopefully end the madness for you. The, the uniqueness or the power or the, or the beauty and the energy of our faith is not any of the promises we make to God. It's the promises that he's made to us. Look, you and I, let's just face it, we're not going to keep any of our promises to God. I know we really want to sometimes. And sometimes it's a bargaining thing. Sometimes you're having a very emotional, intensive moment and you, you, you mean it at that moment, but we just don't have the energy and the capacity to fulfill them in many cases. But that's not the basis of our relationship. It's not a contingent thing where he needs us to promise stuff to him. If you read the scriptures, he's made so many promises to us. And that's the power and the beauty and the energy of our faith. This is why when you hear someone say that God or Jesus is trustworthy, is that he's worthy of our trust. He's earned it. There's, there's, I've never heard anybody say, you know what? That Jesus guy just cannot depend on him. <clears throat> I've never heard someone say that, boy, that God's just unreliable. Never know when he's going to show up. You know, I mean, just, they're never, I've never heard that. 
And it seems that as I look at these verses as Solomon has put down here for us is that I understand that God has paid for every one of our moral crimes. Every one of them. But what seems to really just kind of put him off is our hypocrisy. Our lack of keeping our promises and our words to him. And, and, I mean, I know why we do that. I mean, we have, like I said a moment ago, expectations put on us. You know, you, you pretend to be somebody that you're not because you're worried that if I really let someone know who I am, then they might not like me. Or if I really let somebody know what I'm thinking, they may not be able to help me and it's still not good. You know, so you're sort of stuck in holding back a little bit. I know some of you have laughed about how quickly I decided to marry Lilia, you know, the day that I met her. But I'll tell you why. It was one of the first times with any woman that I was completely myself with, and she bought it. And, and, you know, I could see who she was going to become with Christ. But that was the draw. That's a very attractive trait when you are no longer pretending or performing. In fact, let me tell you, you know what intimacy is ultimately? It's just honesty. That's it. It's when you, it's when the other person says, goodness, you are a mess. You make a mess. Kind of smell. And I choose you. That's an extremely attractive proposition. And, 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 and if I could put this in a human you know, language for us, this is what God has said to us. Goodness, you're a mess. <laughs> you make a mess. And I choose you. And unlike any human relationship, doesn't get tired, not annoyed, doesn't betray, doesn't leave us for someone else, um, never impatient. When I hear Jesus in his last night with his students, his disciples, tell them, hey, you know, here's what I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to love others like I've loved you. The first thing I think about is how God has taken me seriously, even when I've been such an idiot. So many things. You ever had those conversations when you're speaking to somebody and you're really sharing your heart and they're not dialed in? (laughs) Or they cut you off in the middle of a sentence? See, I, I guess what's surprising to me, I think about all the things I've said to God. Some of them in anger. Some of it pleading. Some of it, you know, fear, doubt, uh, confusion. And he's taking it seriously. So the power of our faith is not what we promise or what we do. It's what God has promised and what he has done. And maybe maybe the most uh, you know, surprising thing that you can hear is that when you step into a moment with God, when you step into a sacred place, when you step into the community, that, that the thing that God says most of all in some level is just to be who you are. That's it. Be who you are. Yes, but I'm not acting like a like, like a what like a human being. You know, I mean, isn't it? I I don't know why I thought I could pretend in that relationship I mentioned in college, but I don't know why you do it. 
And what's even more surprising is how we think that we can get away with it with God. I mean, you know, it's like he doesn't know our thoughts. He doesn't know our intentions. And so we offer these phony kisses, these phony promises, these empty words. We're chattering on, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's like cut the string, chatty Cassie. Just listen for a while. That maybe what you really need to hear is something healing and restoring is that I love you and I choose you. I'm not interested in what you do for me. I, I'm all about what I can, have, can do for you and serve and care for you. So, do what you know, what you can, in an honest way. And here's what I'm convinced of. that If, you, if you're having honest conversations with God, prayer. If you're having honest moments and in, in, in listening to him, you know, reading the scriptures and, and processing the truth of, all, of who he is. If you're having honest moments in community where you have a healthy, authentic friendships in, in a spiritual community, if you are living a life or have those gaps and damages that are, it's not God's ideal, it's not God's design, he'll change you. It, it, it's not up to us to change you. It's not up to me to change you. I'm pretty busy working on my own life. But God can, and I know that God will. He just asks for you to be honest with him. With where you are. Hey, let me close in prayer with you in the moment, and then we have a couple of quick announcements. <clears throat> Father, what I pray is that you help us to listen more and to speak less um, in terms of in terms of our souls, that, that we can hear what you have to say to us in a way that would be restorative and, and healing, um, energizing. I thank you for the scriptures that, that you have left for us that we can learn from the lives of other men and women and not have to reinvent the, the wheel. Um, I appreciate your Holy Spirit that would lead us, guide us, into truth, unwrap it for us, illuminate our minds with it, enlighten our understanding with it so we can see you more clearly. Pray for my friends and I that we would be honest before you, honest with you, honest as we journey along with you. Um, I, I don't know why we think that we could pretend and somehow maintain a connection to you. So forgive us for thinking that. Help us to be honest men and women before you. Then help us to be people that would be honest with each other. That we can be that friend, that person to someone else who needs a a portal, a place where they can be honest. And they can vomit up all their weirdness and they still know that they're accepted and loved and cared for. Uh, Help us to be a community that's safe for anyone, no matter who they are, what choices they've made, what lifestyle they have, what their background might be. Help them to understand that, we're, that we are for their future and we're not concerned about their past. And thank you for a God that loves and forgives and a God that restores and a God that gives joy and pleasure and allows us to experience you in a very full and healthy manner. So we give you thanks for all these things. In your son's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.